Logical Progression, Year 4, Chapter 15, Lesson 7. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barak ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta tajlul hazna idha shayt sahla. Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatika ya rabbil kareem. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. As you can see, I'm grinning like a Cheshire cat. It's very difficult not to. Uh, this is probably, I don't know, probably is the most unique uh, LP that we've ever recorded. A very small group of uh, select uh, brothers here on um, a road trip from the beautiful uh, mountains of Alberta, uh, Banff and so on and so forth. We had a fundraiser for McMurray in Edmonton and then we went through Calgary um, um, and now today we went through the Rockies and we've reached British Columbia and so what you see behind me is um, we're probably about three, four, five hours from Whistler and probably about the same from Vancouver in the area of British Columbia. Of course, uh, it is very beautiful, but it's British, of course, and that's exactly what we should be telling our Canadian brothers and sisters. Um, so it's a privilege to be here with you guys uh, recording this lesson, and um, I think we're going to go straight into it. Alhamdulillah, this lesson is not going to have much uh, uh, interruptions other than from, I guess, a few of the grasshoppers, which you can hear in the background, the crickets and a few birds and a few cars driving past but alhamdulillah I'm sure that you guys will uh, enjoy the dars I hope that you inshallah focus on the fiqh though a little bit and eh, Shaz focus on the dars focus on the dars yeah and not yani, on the beauty behind me because mashallah there's beauty here Shaz yeah yeah mashallah and then there's a beauty of their ilm and the background is incidental see I'm giving you so much eye candy I don't think I've ever looked into the camera so much yani, for this dars but alhamdulillah alright so <clears throat> in last week's lesson, uh, we finished off the issue of Maghrib. In fact, specifically we did, uh, following that is the time for Maghrib, which lasts until the redness disappears. It is a sunnah to hasten Maghrib, except for the pilgrim who intends other than that on the night of Muzdalifah. And so that was where we finished it last night, inshallah. So today, I'm hoping that we can cover the final uh, aspect of the times as such with respect to the five daily prayers uh, the mu'allif alihi rahmatullah he says وَيَلِيهِ وَقْتُ الْإِشَاءِ إِلَى الْفَجْرِ الثَّانِي وَهُوَ الْبَيَادُ الْمُعَتَرِضِ وَتَأْخِيرُهَا إِلَى ثُلُثُ اللَّيْلِ أَفْضَلْ إِنْسَاهُلْ وَيَلِيهِ وَقْتُ الْفَجْرِ إِلَى تُلُعِ الشَّمْسِ وَتَعْجِيلُهَا أَفْضَلْ uh, the translation of that would be uh, following that يعني مغرب, following that is the time of Isha which lasts up until the second dawn where whiteness spreads horizontally along the horizon it is better to delay isha until a third of the night passes if it is easy following that is the time of fajr which lasts up until sunrise it is better to hasten it hasten here of course means to pray it as quick as possible all right so let's start off then with the issue of isha um so according to the mu'allif um, and he's representing the Hanbali Madhab. What's interesting here is that the time for Isha lasts from the um, uh, uh, the, the, the time that we already described, which is when the Shafaq disappears, when the twilight disappears. And we've already discussed that in last week's lesson, the twilight being either the redness or the whiteness in the sky. And actually, uh, the time that we're recording right now, you can see that the light is disappearing from the sky. But when this light does dec decrease and the sun... Uh, does set eventually then what you will see is that the redness on the horizon behind me will remain and then 
it will then disappear and then the whiteness then will then start to slowly disappear. We've already said that the majority of the scholars will consider Isha to start once the redness disappears. Um, and so the Hanbali Madhab, it considers that the Isha prayer has a very large uh, bracket of time that it lasts all the way from when the twilight disappears, so roughly about an hour and a half, hour, 15, hour, 20 minutes after Maghrib, right away until Fajr starts. A Fajr al-Thani, which of course is going to indicate that there are two Fajr times, and we're going to talk about that uh, um, as well. You'll remember, of course, that in the earlier lessons in this entire subject, practically we've gone through all of these matters using the uh, the diagrams and using the, the, the science and explaining what the fake Fajr or the false dawn is and the true dawn is. So you should already, you know, that should be a... a a reminder for you anyway but khair, we, like I said we're doing the book version now so that's the main thing we're on page 112 of al Mumtir, um, and Sheikh Uthameen um, he then says that um, so clearly that there is two Fajrs according to what the author says and that's of course what the Prophet ﷺ has indicated and it was, as we said before the first Fajr uh, a Fajr al-Awwal or a Fajr al-Kadib is the false dawn and the false dawn occurs in the middle of the sky it's not on the horizon and Sheikh Uthameen he says that it will happen it will occur when it's seen and when it's noticed it will occur about an hour uh, 15 um, uh, about an hour or an hour 15 in that kind of region about 60 to 75 minutes before the proper fajr before the proper dawn the true dawn um and sheikh uh he defines three specific differences according to him which you can use to distinguish between the false dawn and the true dawn so according to him he says al-farq al-awwal um is that the uh the the, the false dawn it is in the middle of the sky and he says from east to um he says from east to west now what east to west means is in terms of a, a globe i don't want you to assume it's like that but like, like i explained to you from the hadith of the prophet it is in the sky like this so it's not spread across the horizon so it's not spread you know along like that rather it's in the sky in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the sky um very high up and so that's the first thing. Whereas the uh, the Fajr al-Sadiq, the true dawn, will be across the horizon. So you'll see it, Yani, and the horizon, of course, will be as far as the eye can see. And when the light itself then starts to then appear as a crack on that horizon, flat, Yani, then that is the one, the one that spreads across. That is the true dawn. So that's the first difference. So the first one's like this. Second one is connect is on the on the actual horizon. Um, the second difference, he says, and the Fajr al-Awwal um, is is dark. Um, the area is very dark the light comes but then it goes back dark very very quickly so you don't see much light come from it whereas uh, so it starts off dark then a little bit of light appears and it starts to come dark again whereas the true dawn just keeps, it keeps increasing in light and it keeps increasing and rapidly increasing so it, there's no pause so that's a very clear uh, differentiation and then the final one which is the most easiest and most obvious one Al-Farq uh, al is Al-Fajr al-Thani Mutasib al-Ufuq as I said before the true dawn is connected to the horizon so it was, it's literally where you see land meets sky meets sea meets whatever so if you were to look along the light is actually as if it's coming off the actual horizon the line 
whereas the, 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 the false dawn is actually in the middle of the sky. So there's a big gap, so the darkness in the middle. There's no light on the horizon, there's darkness, and it suddenly appears. So there's a gap, so it's, it's disconnected. So that's obviously uh, uh, one of the reasons why it is a, a fake dawn. Now you might say, are there any rulings which are established on the false dawn? No, none at all. Neither does it uh, stop a fast uh, or you're eating if you're preparing to fast. Neither does it start a prayer. It is just an indication of time. It just indicates to the people who are fasting that, hey, uh, you know, soon it's going to be time to um, pray. If you're for asleep, for example, you haven't prayed witr, and then the false dawn time, and that's what Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he would make adhan at that time, which is just indicating that, hey, there's an hour left roughly. It's like an alarm clock, you know, you don't obviously put the alarm clock on right in the exact time of the jama'ah for fajr, but beforehand, isn't it, to get yourself ready. So an hour before the actual uh, real dawn, you've got time now to wake up and pray a few rak'ah of the hajjad and finish off your witr. If you're fasting, then have some food. Um, and, and and so on and so forth. So that's that's its actual um that's its actual uh, function. The uh as Sheikh Uthameen says that the evidence for its entering, meaning Isha, so he wants to yani obviously uh, uh, dot the I's and cross the T's he says that the evidence for the entrance of, of Salatul Isha are the two hadith, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr Ibn al-As that we covered before and the hadith of Jibreel the hadith of of uh, Abdullah ibn Amr is very clear it says that when the uh, twilight disappears when the twilight disappears and Jibreel alayhi salam that was the hadith when he came and the Prophet sallallahu was led uh, and the uh, the prayer was, was established on one day and then on the second day as well and then he said between these two times is the time so in the first on the first day it was when the twilight had disappeared and that was the red twilight had disappeared and then on the second day he prayed when as the as the narrator said when either a third or a half of the night had passed and so we see that both hadith show a start time okay show a start time both hadith also show a end time and that's of course what we're going to be discussing mostly today because it's quite a interesting issue i don't want to say it's controversial but the scholars really differed on the matter of when salatul isha ends so what is the evidence then for when salatul fajr actually uh, when salatul isha actually ends well according to the hanbalis and according to the shafi'is their official position of their madhab uh, and also according to a few of the contemporary scholars uh, like abdullah ibn jibreen for example um and 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 and, and other ulama the uh, the time for Salatul Isha continues all the way and it's, it's, it's said to be the position of the Hanafi school as well the, Salat, the, the time for Salatul Isha goes all the way until Fajr all the way until Fajr why? because of this hadith the Prophet ﷺ said that, that one is not to be is not considered negligent if they are sleeping indeed negligence in the Matafrita that uh, uh, that um, uh, negligence is only to be seen that the only time when a person is considered negligent is when a person delays their prayer so much that the next prayer time enters. So uh, let me translate that hadith again, hadith narrated by Muslim in the book of Masajid, hadith number 681. I repeat that it is not in sleep which where one is negligent. One is negligent when one delays the prayer so much so that the prayer, that the next prayer time enters. 
So this hadith is of course sahih and this is a very famous hadith. Now let me just explain something. This hadith mentions the word tafriyat. Tafriyat means negligent. Negligent means that you are guilty, you are sinful. So it's the, op- it's the opposite to a mistake. So you can either make a mistake or you can either be negligent, meaning that it was something that happened because of your uh, your, your, your fault. Your, yani, it was under your control and you weren't yani, on, on game, you weren't on point, you were negligent. So therefore you will be held accountable and you are sinful. And we know that a person goes to sleep with every intention to wake up and then doesn't wake up and they miss the prayer then we know that's going to be not that's not sinful we know that the sunnah is then too as soon as you wake up you pray immediately um as you uh, wake up or as you remember it um but the second part of the hadith is the legal part is what all the scholars use this uh, point as and that is to say that um a person uh, who is negligent is the one who keeps delaying his prayer, keeps delaying his prayer until the next prayer then enters. So what's the hadith trying to say? It's trying to say that the hadith, the, the prayer times are musalsal, meaning continuous. So a prayer time lasts until the next prayer time, and the next prayer time lasts until the next prayer time, and the next prayer time lasts until the next prayer time. And so that would make sense because we know, for example, that when you start from Salatul Dhuhr, then Salatul Dhuhr lasts until Asr, right? Asr then enters and Asr then lasts until Maghrib, right? And then Maghrib enters and then Maghrib lasts until Isha, right? And so now they're continuing the pattern. They're saying, right, so Isha, until, uh, Isha enters and Isha enters, uh, lasts until Fajr, right? That is their argument. Now, uh, Sheikh Uthameen is very critical of this uh, this uh, understanding of this hadith and also actually this yani, uh, uh, uh this approach to the to the issue he goes on page 114 there's no evidence in this because actually the statement of the prophet ﷺ that negligence is only if you delay the prayer until the next prayer time enters then um uh, first of all, we know that's not even true. If you are thinking that this is meant to be making a legal point, because Salatul Fajr is is that that's definitely not the case. Salatul Fajr, if you were to delay it, you wouldn't delay it until the next prayer time comes. Actually, it's not connected to the next prayer time. It, it ends at sunrise, so there's a big gap between then and Dhuhr. So he he's basically saying that this hadith actually is not indicating at all about the legal prayer times. In actual fact, he argues that this this hadith. Um, uh, he goes that this hadith actually um, indicates that the the sin of a person who is delaying the prayer unnecessarily is what's being focused on, not the actual legal start time of the prayer. So it's like a, a, a statement of warning. Uh, Sheikh Al-Albani actually made a very interesting point in a book called Tamam Minna, um, his commentary to, or his tahqiq and brief notes to a, a modern book of fiqh or called Fiqh Sunnah, which I think you guys would have seen in English on five volumes, one of the classic kind of a well, classic contemporary work, but it's a famous contemporary work, an interesting one, by, by, Sayyid, by Sayyid Sabiq, alayhi rahmatullah. Um, in uh, his notes to that, Sheikh Al-Albani makes an interesting point and he says that um, and this is of course mentioned by other scholars as well that this hadith by the way that there is no negligence in sleeping if you miss the prayer because of sleeping that negligence is only if you actually intentionally delay the prayer and then don't pray in its right time until the next prayer time enters that this hadith was actually revealed in conjunction or specifically when they missed the Fajr prayer we've spoken about this hadith a number of times when the Prophet ﷺ and his companions they overslept Bilal was meant to wake them up and give when was meant to wake up early and give the adhan he overslept they all overslept when they all woke up then the sun had risen and Fajr had gone it is at this time that it is said the majority of the scholars said that this hadith was revealed and now that's interesting 
as the ulama said. They said that, how is it that the Prophet ﷺ would make such a hadith, which is specifically about Fajr, but would exempt Fajr from the actual hadith? If that makes sense, Does that, let me let me explain that again. That the hadith itself clearly says that uh, that the sin is only if you delay the prayer until the, the, the time of the next prayer enters. We know that's not the case for Fajr. Fajr ends at sunrise. So legally, this hadith does not apply to Fajr. However, the argue or the, the 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 hadith was revealed at a time when they missed Fajr. So the actual incident or a sabab al-nuzul or the sabab al-wurud if you like, the reason why this hadith was actually narrated or was stated by the Prophet was because they missed Fajr. So clearly it has to include Fajr. So why would it exclude Fajr from the description? Why would the hadith actually dis- uh, exclude Fajr? So um, the argument from the modern day uh, of some of these contemporary scholars, and as I said, this is also one of the positions of Imam Shafi'i himself. So even within the Shafi'i method, it's also the position of Imam uh, or a statement from Imam Malik or a riwayah from Imam Malik. And as I said, it's very strongly held by Sheikh Uthameen. And also, if you look at the hadith, then you can see that it is stated in the hadith clearly as well. For example, the hadith of Jibreel, it says, says that uh, the, the time starts from when the twilight disappears and the second day when did it end after a third or a half of the night had passed all right and then the, he said that the time is in between these two times so that would indicate that obviously there's a limit and in the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr al-As uh, he said that the time uh, for Isha lasts until the middle ila muntasaf al-layl al-wasat in one narration and ila muntasaf al-layl until the middle of the middle of the night or until the middle of the night um and so that's a very clear statement indicating uh, an end point, right? Until the middle of the night. Now let's look at w- what the ulama responded. They said that actually what this is referring to is the what, what they call the waqt al-ikhtiyari, yani the the uh, choice, um, the, the 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 best time to pray for a person who is in control of it, and what we require from a person or recommended time to pray, and that um this does not they would they combine this hadith they use this one they said that every time the prophet puts a limit at the at of the prayer to a third of the night or a half of the night this is an indicating that this is what you should pray it before but then after that it is possible for a person like we explained last week for salatul asr that if there's some kind of problem or some kind of emergency a person is late etc then that person can technically or the critical time actually last until fajr so that's the position of the majority of the scholars like i said the shafi'i madhab imam and now we explain this point very clearly it's the humbly school's position as well as i said the number of the contemporary scholars as well that's how they combined between them they said that this hadith it doesn't actually mean that's the final final end point rather it means that that's the that's the end point for the recommended time and after that there is a time for recommend for uh, those who are really stuck now What's my opinion on this? And what's the class class position? Well, I have to. I I, I want to make a number of points. Uh, it is actually interesting. Uh, by the way, the hadith of uh, Abdullah ibn Amr al-As, the one that talks about what time the prayer ends, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, what time the prayer ends and starts and ends, is narrated by Abu Dawood, hadith number three hundred and ninety-three. Um, I, I I have to say that um, if you do think about the hadith that the Prophet sallam said that the prayer. Um, if it wasn't that I would cause difficulty for my ummah, then I would make them delay the prayer until at least a third of the night or half of the night until late. That is a compelling uh, point because it's clear that the hadith is wanting people on an individual basis to pray late. However, it is interesting that um, why would the Prophet uh, delay a prayer right until its virtual end point? Uh, if it really was the end, end, half the half the night, then the Prophet ﷺ is effectively then saying that you're praying at its last second, which doesn't 
uh, make sense uh, to me. It doesn't. It doesn't sit well with me. However, if you were to use the fact that the companions are the ones who had the doubt, they're the ones who said the Prophet ﷺ said to delay the prayer until about a third or a half. If you were to use his actual, uh, if you were to use the companion statements and say that the Prophet ﷺ himself actually never said half the night, then that makes a lot more sense. That would then suggest that the best time to pray is late, in between a third of the night having passed and half of the night having passed. And I think that's actually very interesting. Of course, I remind you again as if as Sheikh Uthameen reminds us that when you want to work out how a third of the night half of the night what midnight is you have to look at it linguistically when we see what time, uh, what, what midnight means Muntasaf al-Layl then we take it from the time that sunset occurs until uh, sunrise and that is the Sharia uh, and sorry until Fajr dawn and that is the Sharia position as well so for example uh, at the moment here uh, the sun is rising at about half past three half past three where we are right now and it's setting about half past eight so you would basically take the uh, 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 hours let's do that so half past eight would be half nine half ten half eleven half twelve half one half two half three seven hours so then you would half that so that's three and a half hours so three and a half hours then you would add on to maghrib so three and a half hours would make that uh, 12 o'clock so Yes, so in this example, Muntasaf al-Layl would actually be 12 a.m. midnight, okay? But as, as, I, as, I, as I said, it doesn't necessarily mean midnight. It depends upon the length of the night, the different times of the year, etc. So keep that in mind. Um, and therefore, that, if that's half of the night, then a third of the night, so we said that the night lasts seven hours, lasts seven hours. So divide seven by three, so that's two hours and 20 minutes, okay? So two hours and 20 minutes. So a third of the night would start uh, half past eight, half past nine, half past ten, ten fifty. Ten fifty would be when a third of the night started. So according to the Sunnah, the individual Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, a person should be praying by themselves uh, between ten fifty and twelve o'clock, and that would be the recommended prayer. And obviously, that's delaying the prayer, and that's a lot more difficult for people, especially if they're working, especially if the times are very difficult in the summer, and so on. And that's why you'll see in the masjid, of course, the the Isha prayer is a lot earlier um, because of just looking for the for the for the benefit of the all the week. The, you know the the majority of people and so therefore the prayer is obviously earlier and the question is to be asked what if a person has faced with this we know it's sunnah to delay the prayer but the, the jama'ah is earlier which one do you go to of course it's always the jama'ah the reward of the congregation in the masjid always trumps the reward of praying individually later even though that's the sunnah and i want that to be very clear and that's a consensus of all the scholars of course the prayer time for isha must enter must enter you can't have someone who's praying 20 minutes after maghrib and say you know it's better to pray with him at a false time than to pray at a proper time later. So obviously, it needs to be at the proper time. Now, um, like I said, I, I, I want to say this. Uh, I am sympathetic to the idea that the uh, prayer does last until Fajr. I understand the argument which is being made. And that's something which, to be honest, um, uh, uh, it can, a case can be made for this using the hadith of negligence. I, I get that. But I think that in the, at the primary level, when you actually think about what is uh, uh, being said with respect to this hadith concerning the um, the dividing of the uh, um, uh the the uh, the dividing of the night and whether it is a time for Isha uh, and whether there's a gap then before Fajr well Sheikh Uthaymin makes a really interesting argument here's what he says he says um, that actually if you look at 
the uh, sunnah we've already established that uh, the, the two hadith that make it very very clear that a person is meant to pray their salatul isha before half the night has passed and they said you should take that linguistic they should, you should take that literally that it's not meant to be indicating that there's a recommended time and an obligatory and a critical time that is meant to be taken exactly as the prophet said that it is until half the night has passed and that's it okay and so once you stick to that it's clear he also made a really interesting argument from the Quran. He said that the Quran also indicates that there is a time limit for Isha and that Fajr is one which is uh, completely by itself. He argues that Fajr is a prayer which not only has a gap before it, but a gap after it. Here is how he uh, argues that. He says, if you look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Isra, verse uh, 78, he says, Al-Fajr." Uh, as Allah says, uh, the translation would be and establish the prayer for the setting of the sun, for the setting of the sun until the darkness of the night. The ghasak means very darkness part, part of the night and the Quran al Fajr and at the recitation of uh, the and and the recitation of. Fajr or the recitation at Fajr time. Indeed, the Quran, uh, the recitation at Fajr, not the Quran, but the recitation at Fajr is something which is witnessed. So again, I will translate that and establish the prayer for the for the uh, setting of the sun until the darkness of the night and at the recitation or and the recitation at Fajr time. So three times have been specified. So three points have been specified. One, the setting of the sun. Two, the darkness of the night, and three, the dawn time. Now here's something very, very interesting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say Aqimus Salata min Dulukishams from Dulukishams ila Ghasakilal. He did not say and establish the prayer from the setting of the sun until the darkness of the night. He said Li and Lam here is what we call Lam Sabab. So this means that the actual reason that a prayer can actually be established is for the entering of the time. So it's almost but 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 the, the lamb here establishes the reason, the sabab. However, it is to be translated as min from. So in actual fact, you can still translate it as and establish the prayer from the time of the um, uh, setting of the sun until the darkness of the night. So you can still translate it as a from. But the lamb, I want to make it clear that in English you can't see the lamb. And the lamb, lidulukishams, which means mindulukishams, is indicating that it's the actual onset of uh, the. It is the actual setting of the sun, which is the reason why prayer is established. So this is this is one of the evidences, of course, why they said that from the conditions of the prayer is the entering of the time because of the lamb of the suburb. Here's something which I uh, which Sheikh Uthameen mentions. This was very important. When I say the setting of the sun, you're thinking Maghrib, right? Because that's when the sun sets. In actual fact, this is not talking about the setting of the sun of Maghrib. But rather, as I said to you before, that when the sun rises in the east and it rises, right? Well, of course, as I said before, the sun doesn't, but the, the earth is the one which does that. But it looks like the sun is, 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 is rising, getting high. So it goes high, 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 and it reaches this meridian point. And I told you that it then stops at that point, remember? And then I said that as it stops at that point, that is the brightest and hottest part of the day, whitest part of the sun. And therefore, that's the time of shirk, of course, that the people used to do their kind of uh, pagan worships and worship. And that's where we have the, the time for zawal, we wait. And then as soon as then the sun starts to then move again, that's why you don't pray for that 10-15 minute period. okay? And that's why you don't pray for the 10-15 minute period of the sunrise and likewise of sunset. Um, when it's, when it's uh, at that point, then it will then start to 
set it will literally start to go to the other side so a shadow for example would have been now on the west and then it starts to become neutral and then it starts to now start to grow on the east side because the sun is now going on the west side so what you're seeing is the sun setting from its high point not the sun setting below the horizon the sun setting meaning it's starting to collapse collapse now towards the west that is the sunset so dhuhr now is being indicated in this quranic ayah that's the start point until when until not until the night time but until the darkness of the night the darkest point of the night the real real yani lack of light part of the night time when is that that's of course as 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 the scholar said in the middle of the night when it is right in the middle of the darkness of the actual time and so what Sheikh Uthameen says is that what this ayah indicates is that there is a continuous time in which the prayer is established. So from Dhuhr until midnight, the half point of the night is when the prayer is established. And then Quran al-Fajr and then at Fajr time. So there's a gap and then it starts again at Fajr time and then there's a gap and then it starts again so effectively all four prayers are at one time Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib and Isha then there's a gap and then there's Fajr and then there is the thing and, and he goes that's why the ayah separates Fajr uh, it's a very nice point actually the 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 the, the, the second part of the of the verse separates uh, 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 Fajr and in real time as well we should separate Fajr so the four prayers are all one go all one time all yani connected they are connected with one another and then at midnight uh, not not 12 o'clock necessarily half past 12 half past 11 depending upon the time of the year that's when your Isha ends and then you have a gap period and then Fajr starts and that goes until sunrise then you have a gap period and then you have Dhuhr so again Fajr is isolated, the other four prayers are connected. So this is his evidence from the um, uh, Qur'an. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now obviously, um, there are some other statements of, of the Salaf which would indicate this. Sayyidina Amr bin Khattab, he was very much upon this opinion. He wrote a letter to his governors from the other companions and he told them to make sure that they establish the Isha prayer and delay it, but do not pray it past the, the midnight. He said to them, do not pray it past the midnight and don't be from al-ghafilin, do not be from the heedless. So, And to be from the ghafilin is not something which is positive. So you can see that Sayyidina Amr is being, is being strict on this matter. Um, so... The position then of, of Sheikh Uthameen Fasawab, he says on page 115, الليل, that the time for the Isha prayer starts from when the twilight disappears, when the light disappears from the sky, until the when? Until, until midnight. Um, what's my position? My position is this. Remember that the other scholars, they said that no, midnight is basically a, like a working kind of point. That's where you should try to uh, pray it before, but after that, if a person is stuck, then he should. Um, it's a matter of ishtihad and I believe that it's a much safer and correct position to consider that it's, it's, it, it, that Isha does expire at midnight and that's our class position. It's a working position as well. But I do want to say that if there was some really difficult position uh, that a person was in, that they couldn't get home or there was some kind of real difficulty and they prayed, then that prayer would be accepted. It would be a real big call from someone to say that um, uh, that the prayer would be rejected that the, the matter is one of khilaf it is a matter of ishtihad of the, it's one of interpretation of the evidences and certainly there are a number of major scholars and madahib that consider that the prayer, prayer time for Isha does last until Fajr and you can see their argument and they, they make it up that that's a t- critical time it shouldn't be the time you pray should be before then but if someone is stuck then they should pray there I just think that one should try to avoid that it's a matter of doubt um, and therefore one should pray, pray as best as much as possible should pray uh, before midnight occurs before 
midnight occurs. Sheikh Uthameen also make, mentions one other uh, point, which is nice. He says that it's important to, to, to focus that the obligatory prayers are grouped up into this four prayer you know slot from dhuhr asr maghrib and uh, isha he goes that gap period then is a time for nafal so this is the obligatory prayer which allah talks about in the quran and that the gap period after the after midnight until fajr until the uh, fajr time starts that's a time of nafila uh, voluntary prayers supererogatory prayers and tahajjud um, and I think that's very nice because if you think about it, likewise, is the other gap is the same. When the Prophet uh, 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 ever missed the tahajjud prayer for any reason, then we know he وسلم, would make it up at the duha time, which is the forenoon, the pre zuhr time. So, for example, that would be like from 7, 8 o'clock in the morning or 6, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning until, until half past 12, basically that entire morning period. So it's almost to say that uh, the pre-Fajr time is Nafal Tahajjud, post-Fajr, post-sunrise time is Nafal and Duha. The, uh, these are the prayer times which are nice and empty. Lots of prayers can be prayed, uh, lots of lots of Sunnah prayers, lots of Nafal prayers, lots of extra prayers. Those which you just want to pray for no reason at all as just an act of Ibadah. Those which you want to do for Salatul Istikhara or any other reason that you, you can think of. This is a beautiful time to pray and focus on those. Whereas the other prayers, the other prayer times, that's when one focuses on the obligatory prayers and they're, they're the most important so i hope that, that inshallah is uh that makes sense uh, then the author then says um, so he just the, the author even though he the, the humblies have made it clear that the prayer lasts until uh fajr and that it starts at, as soon as the twilight disappears which as i said is about an hour and a half an hour 40 depending upon time of the year at this time now in the summer um uh, for the uk for canada for europe uh, in these kind of locations where the northern the latitude the northern latitude is is high then i'm quite comfortable quite comfortable by saying that a person can wait an hour or 20 but that's i just want to make that clear i've been discussing this for the last five six weeks that that's not just an issue based upon observation where we see the redness start to disappear but i want to say that redness of course doesn't entirely disappear which does not mean which means that technically the isha has not properly entered okay um however we know that uh, we are using a little bit of like a, almost if we're cooking a kind of like a like a curry the ingredients that we're using to create our fatwa is a little bit of the actual observation which we can see that the majority of the light has disappeared as it should do the redness we're also using the fact that when you go and look at the equatorial countries and the muslim countries that maghrib uh, that isha normally follows maghrib by about an hour 15 hour 10 hour 20 hour and a half so that's the normal practice in normative stable kind of times that are not so high latitude and the third thing is very important and that is that because it's so late because it's so difficult because the night is so short the day is so long um we are using um a a little bit of fatwa a little bit of necessity a little bit of extreme circumstances and that is of course based upon the hadith of Dajjal as I've said many times when the companions said to the Prophet ﷺ, who had told them that the Dajjal would come on a day that would last like a year so time would break down upon that day they were concerned about their prayer they said how are we going to pray that day Ya Rasulullah he said make an estimation of that day about when to put your times if you're estimating the prayer times that would indicate that you'll be praying at a time where this, this, the, the physical sign does not match the actual time so you would be making the Isha time maybe in light in, in when it's light and you would be praying Maghrib when it's light and the sun is still up uh, like you would if in the in the you know in Greenland or in Art in the Arctic regions or so on at the time where it's per- per- persistent sunlight so keep that in mind that our our opinion 
of the Isha prayer coming in uh, to pray at, the, at its earliest time is about an hour 20, an hour 15 after Maghrib for the summertime. And I've, I've given that yani, permission to the Masajid. But that's not the question here. The question is now if you have your own choice, how long should you wait? What time should you pray? Well, as I said before, they said that you should wait until after a third of the night has passed. So that's like, according to what I said, after the start time, maybe two, two and a half hours after the start time. Okay. Uh, and if it is difficult, then uh, then it can be prayed at its beginning time. And if it's easy, then it's better to actually delay it. What's the evidence of that? The hadith of Abi Barzata, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the hadith of Abi Barza, that he said, Kana Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yastahabu an yuakhir al-isha. The Prophet, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to love, used to prefer rather, delaying the isha prayer. And we also had the hadith of Jabir, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. That first hadith, by the way, narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. And the second hadith, the hadith of Jabir, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says, Ida, the Prophet ﷺ said again, as noted uh, in Bukhari, hadith number 565, Jabir said that when the Prophet ﷺ would see that the people had gathered together, then he would uh, uh, hasten the prayer, they would pray. But he goes that when he would see that they had become, they were slow to come to the masjid, remember, you see, they weren't coming to a specific time. They would just look around and see it's dark and they'd come to the masjid. So if the people had delayed, maybe they would come back from somewhere, they're all eating dinner, whatever reason, then he would delay the prayer. But if, for example, all the people were in the masjid and sitting around waiting then he would come out and he would hasten the prayer he would pray it so that they won't hang around waiting too long so he's clearly thinking about them however it's clear that he prefers to delay the prayer himself um and then there's another time of course where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he uh was delaying the prayer one night um, until uh, much of the night had passed and then Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu he stood up he said Ya Rasulullah he said that um, that the women and children have gone to sleep so the Prophet وسلم, he came out of his house and his uh, his head was dripping with water and he goes innahu, uh, innahu that this is the actual time for Isha meaning the delayed time is better for Isha yani after a third has gone and is we're not too far away from midnight Lola and ala ummati if it wasn't for that if it wasn't for that the, what you're describing the difficulty then uh, uh, and I don't want to put a difficulty upon my ummah that's the reason why I'm not going to keep uh, that's why I'm not going to delay any further and I'll pray with you and so he did pray with them the interesting thing of course in his hadith is the fact that the, uh, Sayyidina Umar said that the women and the children have gone to sleep which shows that, again that the presence of women and children in the masjid something which is permissible something which is recommended as well but it doesn't necessarily mean they were there all the time but the interesting thing of course is that the Isha prayer is one of those that people don't believe that they would attend but they did indeed attend it think about that as well that's something for reflection so Sheikh Uthameen says that these evidences are very very clear um, and they indicate that to delay the prayer until a third of the night has passed is something which is better only though if it's easy because of course uh, it is better to, it is it is important to look at the, the situation of the people illness work uh, you know the, the seasons length of day I, mean, I think it's completely unacceptable for example in Canada and the West and UK Europe to delay the prayer so late because uh, the summertime is a real difficult time for people who are professionals and people who are working which should be the majority of people unless you're ill and uh, with su such a short night such an early fajr is people can become very very tired it affects their productivity it affects their mood it affects their day and that's not good at all so and so the people themselves want to pray early obviously legitimately then that's what should happen um 
Sheikh Uthameen says something which is, I think, important. He goes, if they're a group of people and they've got no restrictions, they've got no issues, they're traveling around and, you know, like us together, um, we're not we're not part of a masjid and we're just traveling, then we should ourselves delay the Isha prayer. That is something which should be done. But when it is, um, uh, you know, when it is part of a masjid and a community and an organization, then they should pray when the people need to. And if that is earlier, then earlier. He also says that if women are praying at home, then they should, in principle, delay the prayer. And that's, that, that makes sense. Uh, you are in control of your own scenario. And as long as you can stay awake, then you should delay the prayer as much as you possibly uh, can. Um, okay. And again, as I said to you before, that to delay the prayer is something which is recommended only. Whereas to attend the, the, the prayer... Um, is obligatory according to Sheikh Uthameen and a number of scholars and even though it is what I consider to be Sunnah Mu'akkadah meaning recommended Sunnah it is far stronger a Sunnah to achieve than to actually uh, pray the Sunnah or the recommendation of delaying the prayer um, okay um, I think the next point that we will do and Sheikh Uthameen just closes up the issue and he says it's clear that the author himself considers that the prayer is permissible obviously until a third of the night has passed um, and that of course is the humbly position uh, Sheikh Uthameen doesn't massively criticize this position but he does also indicate and emphasize that you know I do believe that the correct position is that it is until midnight the language of Sheikh Uthameen is very important to focus on here he does not say what, what, what he could have which is to say but actually I don't believe that the prayer itself should uh, I, I don't be, I believe that the prayer is invalid after midnight he doesn't actually state that he didn't actually come out one one time and say that so it's clear that yeah and he he, reckon, he respects and he recognizes that a person will uh, might follow that position and he's not going to say your prayers invalid but him at the personal level he considers that the uh, that midnight is the end time then uh, the sheikh says okay then that what follows after that now of course the humble is now speaking so they've already continued isha all the way until fajr so he goes then what continues is that then what follows is the fajr time and that goes up until sunrise okay now the problem here of course is that the sheikh uh, sheikh uh, uh, uthameen says that the author he didn't actually mention which fajr which fajr um because um he, he didn't say that is it until the Fajr al-Awwal or is it the Fajr al-Thani and of course we know that he means the Fajr al-Thani okay that it means the second uh, Fajr itself um Sheikh with mean he is now going to try and define how long Fajr lasts I think this is really interesting to focus on because again as I said to you before he is speaking about Saudi which is very equatorial very very stable and the prayer times pretty much yani, remain the same for the rest of the, for the whole year and he actually says that in our time it's yani, dif- it, it, it differs but basically Fajr will last between an hour and hour and a half and if you ever gone to Mecca or Medina or Umrah and uh, so on you'll see that that's the case that once Fajr kicks in in next to no time it's super bright outside and then sunrise is kicking in as well so they have a really really short one um in the west you generally get it from about an hour and up at its shortest time an hour and a half but normally around an hour 45 and so on i don't like to pray fajr any at any time of the year before an hour 45 before sunrise um i always like to see a good level of uh, brightness and so my preferred kind of earliest earliest time is an hour and a half and I think that the congregational time is like an hour is really really good um, I think you can maybe hear yeah I don't know if you can hear there's a, a huge freight train mashallah which is 
which is passing by. And we saw one of these earlier on. Without any exaggeration, the train looks like I think it's about like two miles long. I know you're thinking that's mental and that's like a like exaggerated statement, but we are talking. I don't know. Two, three hundred containers will be behind that train. And you know how long a shipping container is. It's absolutely an ayah in ayatullah. How that thing is pulling that all those containers. Um, and as you can see, see, I think even in this video, I think that you would have noticed it's coming on the screen. It shows the amount of light that's disappearing slowly and slowly. Subhanallah, it's amazing the the concept of light. And maybe you can actually see in the background how the as the sun hits different areas, the lighting uh, changes. Okay. Um, Sheikh Uthameen does something which I really wanted to talk about. I think, find it really interesting. There's a theory. Remember that diagram that I showed you guys about the fact that there is, if you look at the horizon, and then the sun kind of, you know, there's a solar elevation angle. And the solar elevation angle basically is, is that at a certain degree, when the sun comes up, then the twilight will appear on the horizon, and that's the start of Fajr. And that might be 13 degrees, 15 degrees, 17 degrees, whatever you're arguing, okay? Remember, go back to those lessons, okay? When you're listening to me now, go back and check that diagram. So if you look at that, that elevation angle, you'll see that the light appears on the, on the horizon. And that length of time, all right, is the time that you have to pray Fajr, because then the sun will then come up up at the horizon, that's the end of it. Now, if you think about it, especially if you look at that line and diagram, that would mean that the reverse should be the same. So as soon as the sun sets, and then it starts to go further, uh, you know, the, the movements of the sun and earth means that it goes below the horizon, below, 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 and it keeps going below. And I said to you that at a certain degree, at a certain degree, it will go so low, that so low underneath the horizon that the light in the sky will disappear and the darkness will set in. The idea is, is that if you look at that actually rationally, then you'd think that that, that is the same. So the amount of time it takes for light to appear on the sky on the horizon um, is the same as the amount of time it takes for all of that sunlight to disappear from the horizon I hope that makes sense in other words that the time for Fajr is the time the same as the time for Maghrib so because we know that Maghrib lasts from sunset until the twilight the red twilight disappears and we said before that the sun, sun the, the Fajr, Fajr prayer is from dawn until sunrise so it might actually make logistic uh, logical sense that the prayer that the um, uh, the, the the prayer itself is of an equal time, as you can see here. <laughs> it's not interesting. Let me, let, me, let me show you one of these. Uh, what's that, Mr. Miyagi moves? If I had a pair of chopsticks, I'd catch this thing for you in the hand. Shaz, challenge me, Shaz. Well, it's so interesting. The train. Look, the train's still going by. Okay, you remember I said to you that the train started going by. I, I think. Well, how many minutes have gone by? Check on the video. I think four or five minutes have gone by. It is still going past. Wallahi, if I could move the camera, but I don't want to move the camera because no, we'll, they, we'll, they can see the train. They can see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, khalas, <laughs> you are watching that train. Look, there it ended there's right the now. End. There's the end. There's the, and, and by the way, those are double containers, by the way. That's the, any, a container on top of a container. Just imagine if the driver forgot something at the end, back of the train. <laughs> Has to go and get it. That's so. And all of that is just powered by the, the front part, subhanAllah. Um, Yara, that fly completely destroyed my thingy. What was I saying, Yara? Oh yeah, I was saying that the uh, that logically, if you think about it, that the two time lengths, the time to pray Fajr and the time for Maghrib and Isha, should be the same 
between between Maghrib Isha and uh, the, 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 the Fajr prayer. And Shaykh al-Islam said that's incorrect. In fact, this is completely wrong, that the two prayer times are not the same. And you know, subhanAllah, when you think about it, it's a brave statement because in the West at the moment, okay, at the moment we're kind of made them roughly the same, right? Um, the Fajr time now, I personally would would not start praying until an hour and a half is left until sunrise or an hour 20. And I've already told you an hour 20 as well that I would wait before I pray Isha after Maghrib. But that's more because of the summertime and the, the issue of the light and so on. Uh, the fact that there's persistent twilight. As I told you before, at this time of the year, May, June, July, August, uh, those countries which are of a high latitude, I know this is going to confuse people or bore people because I said it for the 10th time, but at this time the sun does not go low enough due to the elevation angle because of the at this time of the year to actually create pure darkness so we have that persistent darkness uh, persistent light um but at winter time is a good time to check this if you look at winter time um your isha will come in a lot earlier than the fajr uh, prayer time the fajr prayer time will be longer than the maghrib to isha time uh, i believe that you might yani yeah, consider that Ibn Taymiyyah look what Ibn Taymiyyah says he goes that Ibn Taymiyyah said that in winter time and this is speaking about the Arab land so they're, they're quite equatorial quite stable he said in winter time the Fajr is longer and in the summertime the Fajr is shorter that's 100% correct by the way even in countries like this okay and uh, when it comes to uh, uh, um, that's what we see yani subhanAllah and he goes that for the Maghrib time um, it's the exact opposite. So in the Maghrib time, the Fajr time is shorter and in the summer time it's longer. And that's exactly what we see, subhanAllah. So I find that, Yani, subhanAllah, fascinating. Yani, Allah Alam. Um, so think about that. Um, what else is it? One thing which I found interesting is that he didn't mention, uh, Shaykh al didn't mention what is narrated by Imam Tirmidhi, that the Prophet ﷺ said that the Fajr, that the start time of Fajr is Al-Humr Al-Mustatir, not, not, not just Al-Bayad Al-Mu'tarid. Al-Bayad Al-Mu'tarid, okay, is when the whiteness starts to spread, okay? The whiteness, horizontal whiteness. Al-Bayad Al-Mu'tarid is the horizontal whitenesses. That's the start time of Fajr. And that, of course, refers to when the light breaks on the horizon. So you will see, like, you know, whiteness on the horizon. But as I mentioned before and written about this before and explained until, you know, I'm blue in the face, um, you want to see more than just white light. You want to see a little bit of color. Al-Hubr uh, al-Mustatir, the redness of the sky. This hadith is sahih, and there are a number of narrations in which it has been narrated. So we do want to see that redness as well. Okay. Um, and in terms of uh, what time, the, so so again, I repeat, if you want to know the start time for Fajr, make sure that the, the, the light is on the horizon. It is not in the sky, that it's getting brighter. It's not just white, but there's a little bit of color in it as well. That is not obviously always seen in miserable countries like ours, okay? But in countries where it is a bright sky and it is sunny, then uh, you would consider to look for the redness as well. Uh, and the end time, of course, is the sunrise, and that's because of the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr, as we mentioned before, that is narrated in Muslim. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ said that the time for Fajr is until sunrise, when the sun rises. Um, and I think that's it. Shazad is saying to me, that's enough, because I think he's hungry. And uh, to be honest, not a bad idea.
How long has it been so far? Too long for Shazad. Allahu Akbar. You don't want to finish off this last point, Shaz? Wallahi, Shazada, no. We're going to just finish off this last point. Um, because the only thing that we've got to say is, and to delay the Fajr, to, to, to pray the Fajr prayer in its beginning time is better. better. And Sheikh Uthameen says that there's a number of evidences for this. Now listen to this. Because the first evidence is what we've already said from the Quran. Compete with one, another, with one another to do good deeds. And he also says, And be quick to seek forgiveness from your Lord. And سَابِقُوا إِلَىٰ مَغْفِرَةٍ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ And compete with one another to get maghfirah from your Lord. So clearly there's competitiveness, there's a quickness, there's a, there's a speed, there's a hurry up. And that's definitely correct. And I agree with him 100% there. He then said that the sunnah is the second source of evidence. The Prophet ﷺ, he would pray the uh, fajr prayer بِغَلَس When it was very dark. Okay, غَلَس means when it's very, very dark. Hadith is uh, uh, narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. We also know in another hadith that Prophet ﷺ, he would... When that the Prophet ﷺ will only end, will only finish from the prayer when a person could actually tell who was standing next to. Meaning that when they were starting the prayer in the prayer line, they don't know who they're standing next to because it's too dark. Remember, there's no artificial lights, no electricity. So when they finish the prayer, there's enough sunlight now coming in, the twilight, sorry, that's coming into the masjid, which allows someone to see. So they start when they're dark, when it's dark. And the Prophet ﷺ would recite about between 60 to 100 verses. The other hadith, by the way, about um, uh, uh, yeah, so this is the same hadith, and they would recite maybe between sixty to hundred verses. So what, 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 let me say that again: the Prophet would start fajr prayer when it's dark. It was too dark to tell the guy next to you, and he would start, and he would uh, when when he finishes, then the person is is possible to be seen. And this is between sixty to hundred verses long. And this hadith is also narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. And the Prophet Muratala. He would recite tartila. Yani he would yani would like this not yani very very quickly so slowly and beautifully and he would stop and he would stop at every ayah he wouldn't yani, you know say he would not yani, join the verses before he would stop at every single verse then add all the ruku' sujood you got quite a long prayer a hundred verses are long yani, it's a long um and then the Sheikh, uh, uh, Sheikh Uthameen, he says that uh, also uh, we know that a person use use the aql that we don't know what a person is going to happen, what's going to happen to him if he doesn't fulfill the obligations. And so therefore, generally, you should always yeah, try to, uh, uh, um, you know, try and pray your, do your obligations as soon as you're, you're uh, you know, you're able to do them. Something might happen to you that might block you from being able to do your obligations. Uh, some emergency might happen, a tariq, as he said, that would then prevent him or sometimes something will happen which will make your prayer yani, poorer, not as great quality. So you should always do it. And then uh, he makes, makes an important point. The Hanafi school is very strong on this point. He goes that there are some people who say that the prayer should be delayed. And of course the Hanafis are and many other scholars are. Why? Because it's a hadith. And the hadith says, Asfiru bil fajr fa innahu a'adham li ujurikum. Uh, that uh, pray the fajr when it's more 
bright outside, when it's more yellow outside, meaning yellow meaning that there's more twilight, the sun is coming close, where there's more light outside, because that will be more greater for your rewards. That will be greater in rewards. Sheikh Uthameen says if this hadith is authentic, first of all, so he's trying to yani, indicate that the hadith probably could be weak. And actually the hadith has been rated by Imam Ahmed and by Imam Abu Dawood, uh, hadith number 424, and by Imam Nasa'i as well, and by Imam Tirmidhi. In Tirmidhi it is 154. Um, and the hadith was considered to be uh, authentic by Imam Tirmidhi and Ibn Hibban and Ibn Taymiyyah also authenticated this hadith. And also Azaylai also considered this hadith to be authentic. And I also, Azaylai of course is the great defender of the Hanafi school and he considered this hadith to be authentic. I also hold this hadith to be authentic. I can't see any reason why this hadith is weak. So Sheikh Uthameen basically is saying that if this hadith is authentic, which uh, which you know which, which it is, then what the meaning of Asfiru Bil Fajr means is that make sure that you pray the Fajr when it's definitely Fajr. All right. You see, the Hanafis will say that that means to pray when it's like light outside, when it's yellow outside. Whereas the other madhahib, they will say that no, because the majority do consider Fajr to be Sunnah when it's dark, because of the evidence that I mentioned from Bukhari and the fact that the general evidence that I mentioned that you should always hurry to do good deeds. Um, they said that Asfiru is the same thing that I do, for example, in my masjid. I, I'm not happy with the fact that we pray Fajr right on the start time when it's not clear. I told you all night you have a persistent twilight and there are people who are praying one hour 45 minutes or one hour and a half before sunrise. And I'm saying to them, well, look outside. Tell me the difference between this and two hours ago. Can you tell the difference? They say, no, we can't tell the difference. So I said, well, wait then. If you wait another half hour, so now we have one hour before sunrise, okay? If you wait another half hour and now we've got one hour left until sunrise, look outside and it's lighter more yellower more brighter and it's more certain that the prayer has actually started so this is the meaning of the hadith and this actually has been narrated from some of the companions as well um, but likewise other of some other companions like Ubay uh, 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 Ka'ab and so on uh, they and Sayyidina Ali as well they used to consider that no it actually means tanweer it actually means that the light in the sky does become very, very bright, or much, much brighter. So there is a valid khilaf on this. And so it's not a problem if you're going to say to me, listen, my Hanafi masjid, because a lot of people ask this question. I pray in a masjid, which is a Hanafi masjid, the Obandi masjid, Bredwi masjid, whatever it is. And they pray the Fajr prayer so late. When I go there, it's like it's Zuhur time. They're always exaggerating, always dissing any our brothers. But you know what? That's not a problem. As long as it's not sunrise, then it's acceptable. The jama'ah, the congregation is more important than the difference over this issue. It's a valid difference of opinion. If you can, encourage them to pray earlier when it's more darker that's sunnah but actually it's acceptable this is a valid difference of opinion but in our opinion the hadith does not mean that it's bright outside it means it's brighter it's more certain it's absolutely uh, no doubt then that actually a person is going to be praying for your time finally then to conclude the prayer times and that's the end of the prayer times Sheikh Uthameen mentioned something nice he goes is there any wisdom behind these prayer times itself you know, why why are we praying the prayer at these times? He goes, uh, as for Dhuhr, he goes, then this is come, the Dhuhr has, uh, is a, uh, sorry, uh, Fajr, beg your pardon. Well, to pray at Fajr time is a is a, a mighty thing because the night has been dark for a long period of time and darkness is not seen as a positive thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in uh, Surah Al-Qasas, uh, something very, very interesting. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ جَعَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكُمُ اللَّيْلَ سَرْمَدًا Okay, ila yom al Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that have you seen? Uh, have you considered what if Allah Subhanahu wa Taala would make the night everlasting for you until the day of judgment? Man ilahun ghairullah yatiqum bidya. Who is the uh, who is a god that will bring light to you other than Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? Well, this ayah to be honest is awesome. Well, life think about it. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been saying, have you actually thought about it? What if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought everlasting darkness upon you? Who is the who, who other than he is going to be able to bring you light? So subhanAllah, every night that we go to sleep is darkness. Imagine you woke up and it was darkness. The next day it was darkness. And not just six months in the Arctic, but it was permanently dark. You'd be worried, scared, yani freaked out. And you can't get anything done. Last night, yani we tried to do a barbecue in the nighttime. It was the world's biggest disaster ever. I have to say, Shazad Salim, Hafidhahullah ta'ala wa ra'a, he was a va- valiant, valiant, yani, uh, uh, noble soldier, and he tried his very best, but it was a disaster. Huh? Well, like we were cooking with iPhone light, man. He couldn't see whether it cooked all the way through. The food was good, well, it was good. But it was so difficult. I want to give a shout out to Ali Murali, by the way. Ali Murali, is, uh, uh, Ali Murali has been uh, chose this location here. Apna has gone through the thingy, yeah? Yeah, there you go. See, we've included some people. Everyone's getting tired. Even the people around us, they're saying, Khalas, my red enough. We want to go through the, uh, we want to go through the picture. Um, I meant to finish this point, Shaz, but let me focus. I'm just saying, imagine subhanAllah if it was darkness all the time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings the light. Okay? Um, and so it's always to celebrate that, 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 that amazing, incredible thing that we have light and, and hope and optimism after darkness then we pray at that time Zuhar uh, Sheikh says that um, this is when subhanAllah the, the, the entire direction of the sun changes so it's one direction and the shadows are one direction and then suddenly the, the shadow goes the other side and the direction changes the other side and it's in recognition recognition of that he goes as for Asr he goes that I, 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 I thought about it and I couldn't find a reason for it a hikmah about Salatul Asr something that um that I can say definitely that's the reason why or that's a great wisdom in, in the in the Asr time or that we pray at Asr time um, and he goes there's no doubt that there's a wisdom in it but I can't think of it I mean I, I thought about it I mean it's something which really is a, is a time of day where people get a bit lazy I don't know and it's something which maybe is a reminder for us that, that our day is about ibadah but it's difficult to, to state that these are not of course we're not saying this is the reason why Allah did it we're talking human wisdoms why we can maybe think of possible reason for Salatul Maghrib Shaykh Uthameen says it's obviously uh, clear that uh, same as Fajr Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us continuous light but then to show then the, the change the sun mighty sun disappears it's a great yani, act of incredible power only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could do it and we worship him as a result of that um, but we don't do it at the exact moment and uh, like the pagans do because then that would then be giving the power to the sun itself rather we're giving the power to the one who controls the sun and Salatul Isha he says it's like yani, um, it is like a, 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 a stronger issue than the sun just setting it is complete onset of darkness and to, to appreciate that, that power it's really it's a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which indicates his power and his might and his wisdom and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best this is one of the best lessons I've ever done I think that yani, Shazad will agree uh, the content great, was great, great props today. look at that yani, if you're bored of the, the brick wall and you're bored of our uh, our, our wooden, uh, wooden planks here and there then you know today mashallah you've got the full behavior as Allah is my witness I don't think that you're going to see anything like that ever again but this is the father of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His mercy is, is immense. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us opportunity to come out and take a break um, from a busy teaching schedule. She's had also been very busy, been attending conferences and working. And so we've had a few days to ourselves. And last week we had an opportunity to go to Niagara Falls, which is very nice. And then I taught Dominion, of course, uh, in three cities. That was very tiring. And then this week we're doing a little road trip. Bifadlillah, we taught uh, the logical progression in Montreal with a great team there in Concordia. And this week, inshallah, we're going to be at um, 
uh, back in Montreal and teaching Protectors House, of course, which is one of my favorite classes. Next Wednesday in Chido. And next week, yeah. yes, correct. The, ne- the ne- yeah. next week we're back in Chido, normal time between Maghrib and Isha. I know it's late, but it doesn't matter. It's only one of one lesson. That's it. I think second of June or first of June. I think it is Wednesday, um, and uh, that will be the last lesson. And we'll do some Q and A in that session there, inshallah. If anyone has some issues about the prayer time and the summer issues and whatever, and I want to give a shout out to Ali Murali who sort of found this location. Sickest location ever. Shout out to Al Maghrib, yani, keeping it real as always, and supporting the brothers and sisters in the Dawah. And this, what are you saying, D? Are we ready or what? Ready, oh my, oh my, oh my goodness. We'll be eating steak now. Jazakumullah khair, subhanakallahum bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfirukallahum wa atubu ilaik. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.